Amen. Okay, so we are week two of our marriage series today and I get to bring the word. I'm pretty pumped about that. And we're going to talk about two words today. They're great words. They're not super sexy words, but they're biblical words. Oh, I've just lost an earring. That's okay. We're good. These are the words. Submission and sacrifice. Submission and sacrifice. Why don't you just say them to the person next to you? Submission and sacrifice. Come on. Okay, I'm just going to put these down. I just have to put the backs on so I don't lose them. Okay, so while I'm doing this, we've got a really fun competition happening at the moment out in the foyer. You might have noticed when you walked in all these colourful hearts. Well, they're there for a purpose. As you saw on the news this morning, you can win a $300 crown voucher by taking a selfie with your spouse. So there's, I, I thought it was a great idea, but then I realised all these things about Instagram. So there are a few rules and they're out there on the foyer in case you forget. But you've got to, take, you've got to sit with your spouse, you've got to take a selfie of you, whatever you want to do, and then you have to hit the picture and tag Oasis Church Perth and then you have to hashtag at the bottom my marriage matters. Have you got it? Okay, it's complicated, but out there you can read the notes and you'll find out how to do that so that you can go in the running to win that voucher. And if I were you, you can go to the Crown midweek to the Towers in Perth and get the Epicurean breakfast for two for about $300. It's a bit more on the weekend. So if you win, that's what I would be doing. Are you with me this morning? You're all a bit quiet. I need you to say, yeah, we're with you. Okay, that's awesome. That's better. Okay, so we know why perhaps Will got married. It was so that he could be happy. But I'm wondering why did, if you're married today, why did you get married? Or if you're not married today, what are the reasons that you think it might be a good idea to get married? What's that thing that's kind of bubbling up in you? Oh, I want to get married because... Have a little think about it and then just tell someone around you, I wanted to get married because I'll tell you, when I was 19 and I thought I was ready to get married, I was, I was probably very insecure and needy and that's why I wanted to get married, just to make it easier for you, okay? So just tell someone next to you why you want to get married or why you did get married. What was the reason? What was the reason? Tell someone. Come on, tell someone. We're going to have a little bit of an interaction this morning, a little bit of interaction. Okay, here's some reasons. Here's some reasons that I came up with. So there's Will Smith's reason, happiness. I want to I be happy and someone else will make me happy. Um, it might have been like peer pressure or family pressure to get married. For example, um, my uncle once asked me if I was a lesbian when I was 22 because I wasn't yet married. There was family pressure to get married. It's all right to laugh at that. Um, is it because you're lonely? You might want to get married or you might have got married because you, you're lonely. Was it to declare your love? Um, did you want to get married because of that? Do you want to get married or did you get married because you thought it might bring financial stability? We had a few giggles around the place. Actually, I thought that Ewan was quite well off when I married him. He drove a BMW and he was a vet and I thought, yes, I'm onto a good thing. But then I found out that he owed quite a bit of money on the BMW that he drove and actually it was a very old model and he was still living at home with his mum. So anyway, <laughs> things weren't all as well as I thought. Luckily, I didn't marry him for that. 
But if you're a Christian, maybe you want to get married so that you can have sex. Yeah. <laughs> okay. When you and I got engaged, he was like, okay, let's get married in three months, three months. And I was like, no, you just, because we actually got engaged after three weeks, but we knew each other for four years prior to that. So we knew each other quite well, but he was like, let's get married in three months. And I was like, no, I just need some time to get my head around the fact that we just got together and now we're engaged and then we're going to get married. So we six months, but we were in a rush. Um, you might want to get married or you might have got married because you thought that it was the best environment to raise children in. Um, you might have got married because or you might have feel like you want to get married to feel safe or protected. Maybe it's because the biological clock is or was ticking. Um, maybe you want to get married because everybody else is doing it and so it's a good thing to do. Maybe because you want to have the wedding that you've been planning since you were six years old. Um, maybe it's because you want to escape your parents. You might want to get married because you do or you might have got married because you did. Um, interestingly, Ewan said to me last night that he wanted to get married because there was just an instinctual desire to get married. He didn't actually know why, apart from the fact that he loved me, of course. Yes, but he had an instinctual desire that it was the right thing to do. So why? Why do we get married? I mean, interesting to me that we could get married for a wide range of reasons, but did we stop to consider what God's thoughts on it are? I'm just going to press pause there and I'm going to just share some marriage rules with you right now. Um, in this series, it's a, it's a challenging topic to talk about, but I want to say to every single one of you in the room that what is in the past is in the past. No matter if you've been divorced once or 33 times from today, that is in the past and it's a new day full of hope and full of promise. And when you do things God's way, there is hope and potential and faithfulness and joy, right? Amen. Can I hear an amen? So there's no judgment today. It's clear of that. What is in the past is in the past and there's a fresh start available for every single marriage today, for every single person who has experienced hardship and heartache in divorce, separation. And for those yet to be married, it's great hope and joy for you. It's a fresh start. And I want to say that today you can have a fresh start no matter what's going on in your world. And as I was just standing at the front thinking about fresh starts, I just said, Lord, who... Who are you doing a fresh start with? Who in, who in this room um, is experiencing a fresh start today? And I just got a few names. I hope this is okay. But Georgina, fresh start for you. Fresh start for you. Lindsay, where are you, Linz? Fresh start for you, wherever you are. Fresh start. Felt fresh start for you. Um, Tia. Tia's visiting today, but I felt fresh start for you today. Fresh start. New things. Colin. Colin Smout fresh start. I just felt like God's doing a new thing in you and it's a fresh start for you today. Okay, so back to marriage. So it might be some of some interest then to actually have a look at God's reasons. And so, some of those reasons that we just talked about are good, some not so good. But, um, but let's find out what God thinks, hey? Because he's the ultimate source, not Will Smith, although he's cool. God is who we look to for instruction on how to live our lives. Okay, let's go. If you've got your Bible today, open up. If you've got your iPhone, um, you can read on there or have a look at the screens. We're going to be reading out of Ephesians 22 to 28 today. 
some good instruction for godly marriage. Are you ready? Wives, say wives, wives, submit. Say submit. (laughs) Submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. His body of which he is the saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in their husband to their husbands in everything. Okay, husbands, here we go. Everybody say, husbands. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Wow. We're going to unpack that today. But I'm wondering, did any women in the room say to themselves, I got married because I love submission? I'm wondering. Not here. Uh, Men, men, was there any men in the room today that said, I'm getting married or I want to get married because I'd love to sacrifice myself for a woman? Yeah, and that's the right answer. That's right. You say, yep, yep, yep. Look at your wife and say, yep, yep, I did that. I did that. Okay. But therein lies the clash of two worlds that are at play right now. We've got this Western worldview of marriage and thinking, and we've got God's way of thinking, God's way of doing things. And so let's have a look at those two clashing cultures. We've got this Western world view. We live in the Western world and we have this view of marriage. I'm going to call it the consumer relationship. And it looks like this. It says, I will stay with you as long as my needs are being met to a level where the cost is acceptable to me. Did you get that? I'm going to stay with you as long as it doesn't cost me too much. The individual's needs are more important than the relationship itself. For example, if we were to take that consumer relationship, if we're feeling like we're giving more love and more acceptance and more grace than we're getting, we feel ripped off. These could be the vows, okay, if we're standing at the, uh, at the altar and we're going to get married, and if you're in a consumer relationship, this is what the vows would look like. Are you ready? I made these up. I think they're quite fun. I take you, Ewan, to have and to hold from this day forward, if we are sexually compatible, for better or worse, as long as it doesn't affect my happiness, for richer or poorer, but only if the financial pressure doesn't cause too much stress, and you can keep buying me clothes, 
in health and in sickness, as long as your health doesn't impinge on my lifestyle, and to love and to cherish, as long as we feel like we are still in love and no one else better comes along. I do. That's what a consumer relationship looks like and I'm wondering if you can see how that creeps into our thoughts, into our mentality. Can you see it? And I've drawn this picture. Um, I can call it the consumer cycle. And basically what happens is we have conditional sacrifice from the husband which makes the wife feel like she has to manipulate him or perform, or strive, can't be real. And therefore then she gives conditional submission to her husband, which creates a withdrawing from him, which then in turn leads to, again, conditional sacrifice. And this is um, what the consumer cycle of marriage looks like. And there's no joy in that. There's no authenticness in that. There's no love in a deep way in that. But the way that God wants us to view marriage is a covenant, a binding promise. And this is what that looks like. A covenant relationship says this, I will be bound to you no matter what comes. No matter what, for better or for worse, I'm with you. We do it together. And the relationship takes precedence over individual needs. It's a different perspective from the consumer relationship. And these are the vows that we say. We say this. Every person who gets married, well, most people unless you make up your own vows, but these are the standard vows. It says this, in the name of God. And God becomes the, the first part of that covenant relationship. I, Christy, take you, Ewan, to be my husband, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until we are parted by death. This is my solemn vow. This is my covenant promise to you. The reason that God wants our marriages to be a covenant promise rather than a consumer promise is that his son, Jesus Christ, made a covenant promise to us. Our submission and our sacrifice for each other is how Jesus loves the church. Your marriage, if you're married, is a literal sign to the world that Jesus loves people in a sacrificial and humble way. That is the picture of marriage. Your marriage is supposed to be a light that shows the world that Jesus loves his church. That he is open to all people to come in relationship with him. Come on, give me a big amen. That's good preaching right there. You know, when Jesus went to the cross, he wasn't full of spontaneous desire. He knew that he was going there. It was pre-planned. He knew what it was going to cost and he knew that he would go there for the people that were abusing him, torturing his body, hurling insult at him and he knew that not every single person would choose him. That's why he went to the cross. 
And that's the picture of marriage, that we love. We love because of covenant. And that's not the first time that God used this picture of marriage in the Bible. There's this great book, if you've never read it, in the Old Testament called Hosea. And literally he was a prophet of God. And God called him to marry a prostitute called Goma. And they got married, but Goma kept returning, kept returning, kept returning to prostitution. And Hosea would run after her to bring her back. And the whole book is about God's faithfulness to his people, though they're not faithful to him. So if we want our marriages to work, hands up if you want your marriage to work. If you're married, hands up, give me a wave. Whoop. Okay, great. If you want your marriages to work, we need to understand two key principles in these verses, and that's submission and sacrifice. Let's say it together. Submission, sacrifice. So let's look at wives. Let's have a quick look at wives. So wives, the instruction to you was to submit yourselves to your own husbands. For he's the head, he's, and as Christ is the head of the church, his body, which he's saviour, and now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives, you submit to everything. So wives, I'm talking to you now. Hands up all the wives. Hands up all the wives-to-be as well. Come on. Where's the teens? This is you one day. Wives, our role is to submit. How do we submit? As the church submits to God, that's how we submit. In the same way that we willingly submit our lives to God, which is voluntary. We voluntarily do that. We voluntarily do that, don't we? We're not forced to do that. We have free choice in that. It's free for us to submit to God. It's a joyful thing for us to submit to God. We're thankful that we get to submit to God. It's a partnership with the Holy Spirit that we submit to God. They're all the conditions that we submit to God. And we submit because we know God loves us and we know he cares for us. He has the best for us. And our submission to him is really about receiving his care. That's what that picture looks like. And I want to say in no way does this scripture say that a wife's submission means subjugation or subjection or subordination. There are grounds for divorce in the Bible and that's a whole other topic right now, but we certainly don't condone violence in relationships or abuse in marriage. The husband's role of headship in this scripture is a picture of care rather than control. It's a picture of responsibility rather than rule. Notice here in this scripture that Paul chooses to use Christ as saviour rather than Christ as Lord. Isn't that interesting? It's, it's a picture that we submit to the husband who lays down his life for us. That's what a saviour does rather than lording over. It doesn't mean, wives, that we're not invited into the journey to make decisions as couples for our families or to do as we're told. That's not the picture of submission that this scripture is giving to us. But there's something about, women, listen, there's something about submitting to a man and loving him though he's not yet ready or doesn't yet deserve it, which is the making of him. Come on, that's good. Your submission to your husband makes a man out of him. 
he will feel the weight of the responsibility of your submission and he'll step up to the game when you willingly submit to his headship. If you're taking notes, write this down. To serve him or to submit to him is to make him great. That's what submission does. Behind every great man, there's a woman who can submit. You know, some women never submit because that word submit paints a picture that's unattractive to the world. And I tell you, when a woman doesn't submit to her husband, the man never has an opportunity to grow up. Watch this. If you want your husband to grow up, willingly submit to him and let him feel the responsibility of your willingness. He will feel it and he will grow up. Maybe not overnight, but keep doing it and it will come. Okay, so what do men really want then? What do husbands really want? What do men really want? I tell you, he wants to be your hero. A husband wants to be a wife's hero. It's true. Ask, ask your husband right now if you're sitting with one. Otherwise, ask someone else, do you think that's true, what she's saying? Yeah, there's a song about that. It's a cheesy love song. Do you, have you been enjoying our cheesy love songs pre-service? They're quite fun. If you haven't noticed, you need to get here a bit earlier and listen into our cheesy love songs. But here's some, here's, some, um, here's some hot tips for you, ladies. How can you make him your hero? How can you make him your hero? These are tips for the ladies. You can tell him that you value what he does for your family or for you. Tell him that you need him. I mean, just hold your spouse's hand right now if you're sitting with them. Don't criticise what he does for work. Tell him you're thankful for his strength and you enjoy being able to lean on him. I see all these furious thumbs taking notes right now. Honour him in front of your children and honour him in front of other people. Counsel him respectfully when you have different ideas. Ewan tells me, nagging will never work. (laughs) You can empower him to get the job done in a different way. I tell you what, when Ewan walks around with a hammer and a drill, I go weak at the knees. That is sexy to me. Sexy, and I tell him, and so do you think that he likes to get out the hammer and the drill on the weekends? Yes, he does. (laughs) What can I fix for you? (laughs) You can be a good friend to him. It's actually what he wants. He wants you to be a good friend. And you cannot withhold sex for for manipulative reasons. That's how you make him your hero. Okay, let's go to the husbands. So what does the scripture say? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. It's a beautiful picture. Cleansing her by the washing with water through the word to present her to himself as radiant without stain, wrinkle, blemish, holy and blameless in the same way husbands you love 
your wives. So husbands, what's your role? Well, your role is to love your wives sacrificially. If wives are submitting husbands, you're sacrificially loving. How do you do that? How do you sacrificially love your wife? Well, it says it here. As Christ sacrificed his body to make the church beautiful. That's how you do it. So Paul talks about the sacrificial love of Christ that makes the church holy, washing with water to present himself to her to present her to himself as radiant. I want to say this to you husbands. It's your love that makes your wife beautiful. Come on, you need to take some notes today. It's this beautiful, godly design that when you love her, you're making her the best that she can be because of your love. That's what a husband's wife, a husband's love does for his wife. You give yourself up for her so that she may fully develop the potential under God and become completely herself. You know, I honour my husband right now, you and Blakey. Because he doesn't deny me the microphone or the stage. He's like, you go for it. You've got something to share. I'm going to let you go for it. You do whatever God puts on your heart to do. If God has said, you've got a leadership anointing, who am I to deny that? You go. I'm cheering you all the way. His love for me makes me the best that I can be before God. And that's what a husband's love does. To love her sacrificially is to make her beautiful. Behind every great woman is a man who loves her sacrificially. Husbands, if there are things that drive you crazy about your wives, love it out of her. Love it out of her. Help her to overcome these things gently with patience and grace. It's your job to love her beautiful from the inside out. Her fears and her insecurities are your job. That's your job to love those things out of her. Let your sacrificial love, your patient love, your time, your care, let them heal her and build her up. Isn't that a beautiful picture? So what do women really want? It's the age-old question. And I've got the answer for you today, men. Hands up if you're happy about that. Give me a little wave. Come on. Okay, about three. Three men. That's awesome. It's the age-old question and only three people want to know the answer. What do women really want? This is what they want. They want your protection. And they want your provision. That's how God's designed it. That's what they want. So let's stop now for a minute and talk about how you men, husbands, can give protection and provision to your wives. Are you ready? This is your time to take notes. You're going to need to. You're going to want to. This is going to be really good. You're going to thank me later. You need to be affectionate with her without always having sexual intentions. It's a sign of your protection. It's a sign of your love. 
that you want to be affectionate without it always going one way. You want to tell her that she's beautiful before you want to touch her because that means something. You don't, don't always try to fix her problems but listen to her. And so you're like, <laughs> sacrificial love says listen. She feels protected in sharing with you when you listen. Express your appreciation of her and what she does around the house for the family or when she goes to work for the family. Express your appreciation. Say sorry when you need to say sorry so that she feels like you're hearing her. That's how you can protect her. Pray for her and encourage her when she's feeling low or afraid or sad. You and does that for me all the time. The other day I was like, I don't know what to preach on. And he's like, shall I pray for you? And I'm like, yes, you should. So he stops in the middle of his moment and prays for me. Speak highly of her in front of other people. Nothing fills my tank more than that. Stand up for her, especially with your mother. <laughs> That's important. Ladies, you can thank me later. Walk around with a hammer and fix things. Put up paintings. Put the rubbish out. How good is that? I just thought I'd throw in a photo, actually. You can pop the photo up. That's you and I 17 years ago. Look at the joy on our faces. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to finish on this scripture. Paul wraps this whole segment up um, on marriage with one final exhortation. This is his final, his final moment in this book with Ephesians 5.33. And he says, However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. So this is like, okay, everything I've said, here's the quick wrap up, like the conclusion of this. Um, wife. Love, husband, wife respect, husband love. And, um, and then you get this beautiful cycle, which we call the energising cycle, which looks like this. His sacrificial love motivates her submission, which motivates his sacrificial love. And then you've got this, uh, this beautiful picture of a godly marriage happening. You know, the most frequently cited factors for divorce were unmet emotional need. The number one. And this beautiful model that God has given us meets all our emotional needs by our submission and by our sacrifice. It's perfect. One more thing. At the beginning of this whole topic of marriage, it, um, Paul addresses husbands and wives and then parents and children and then masters and slaves in this whole section. He's teaching something through this. But at the very beginning of all of this instruction, there's this one verse. And it's, it's kind of just above it in your Bible. So sometimes we don't read it together, but it's a powerful verse. It says this, Ephesians 5.18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Say that with me. Be filled with the Spirit. 
It's this image of drinking in the Holy Spirit. Don't drink wine because that leads to something else. But when you keep drinking the Holy Spirit, you will be equipped to love the way I'm asking you to love. So what I want to say is that when we have a life filled with the Holy Spirit, when you invite the Holy Spirit into the center of your world and into the center of your marriage, you can actually have a supernatural marriage. And a supernatural marriage is something else. It's next level. Mark, you can put up the supernatural cycle. This beautiful picture of his sacrificial love, regardless of her submission, regardless of his sacrificial love, which is, of course, how Jesus loves us. And we can have marriages like that when we invite Holy Spirit. Keep inviting Holy Spirit. Keep drinking Holy Spirit.